Welcome to uh, the first uh, Cabinet meeting of 2016. Happy New Year to those I haven't expressed that to already. Um, apologies for absence. I understand we've had apologies from Councillor Lodge, but uh, um, <coughs> welcome Councillor Light uh, in his place tonight. Um, any other apologies? No declarations of interest? Chairman, could I declare an interest on items 10 and 15 as Lessex County Councillor? Thank you. Minutes of the previous meeting. Uh, are they a true record? That was the meeting on the 10th of December. Uh, Leader, I wonder if I could uh, suggest an amendment to page 9 and the top of page 10. Maggie did wonderful minutes, as always, but there's a cut and paste, um, which is at the bottom we resolved to, under the transfer of land to Great Chesterford Parish Council, and I think we probably cut and pasted something from the previous use of council buildings for weddings. So if we could delete one, all of one, and two, the words from agree through to one and the full stop, and then it's absolutely perfect from there on in. <laughs> Do you have that, Mr. Snow? Okay. Thank you very much. Any other amendments to the minutes? Okay. Item three, matters arising. Uh, CA 52 to 55. 56 to 58. 59, 60. 61. Councillor Dean. Yes, at the um, last cabinet meeting you, you agreed in principle to set up this so-called special purpose vehicle or whatever name it eventually uh, ends up having. Um, and, and I recognise that it was only agreed in principle and therefore there's a lot more work still to be done. What, what I'd like to, what I'm going to ask for is that in looking at this in more detail and in um, defining what it's there for, that, that, it, that, we, that it's looked at not just purely from, um, shall we say, from a, a, a maximum income point of view, and, and I mean, you know, one, of the, one of the primary ideas is to invest in, in market housing and to get an income for that, and uh, that, that has merits. Um, I, I raised this at a, a workshop last night that the, you know, the council needs to get over the right message to the public that we're not just here for money making and to neglect other things such as the need for social housing which I know full well um, is, is being uh, addressed and other items on this agenda. Um, but but there, there were points raised, um, I think Councillor Artis last night raised a point about uh, being assuring that the council doesn't neglect improvements, to community improvements, whatever they may be, and, and putting all its eggs in one basket through this special purpose vehicle, so-called. I mean, what, what I'd like to say is that when, we, when the council and the cabinet, the rest of the council get around to doing it, that it looks in some cases at least for projects where not only is it say investing in, in housing but if that, that investment can also at the same time deliver community improvements, things which 
which we need to do in order to um, accommodate the additional population that comes from additional housing, or maybe it's the other way around, whichever way you want to do it, that, that we look at that, because there are certainly um, areas of strain within the district, and I'm not going to mention any particular ones tonight, but I, there are potentially, I'm sure, areas where one can be investing in housing and at the same time solving some of these groaning infrastructure problems and if we do that then I think the council will have it will be easier to justify what's going on rather than just simply looking at it uh, single issue how can one get maximum income from investing in private, uh, private market housing so that's the point I'd like to make obviously that one doesn't need to uh, it's something that needs to be thought about in future there's no decision on it tonight um, but I think it's something that we should put on, or well, I'd like to have it on record, and that we come back to in due course. Thank, Thank you. you. No, we note that comment, and uh, I, I, I think that the SPV might be a, uh, uh, have a particular role, but the council still has the, its traditional role of, of doing the sort of things that um, uh, you've just listed. And as you rightly say, in some cases, an investment can also be a community benefit as well. So, point noted. No, thank you. Um, Item 62, 63, 64, 65, 66, 67, 68. Thank you very much indeed. We shall duly sign the minutes. As an accurate record, matters arising have been raised. Um, there are no non-executive members of the council... Yes, there are. Any questions or statements from non-executive members of the Council? No. Matters referred to the Executive? No. Reports from Performance and Audit and Scrutiny? Probably haven't met since the last meeting, but you're welcome to comment. No. At this point, Mr Chairman, nothing new to report. Obviously, last time I reported on discussions on the budget, but the committee hasn't met again since. So anything that I might say later is me speaking rather than on behalf of the committee. Okay. Thank you. Item 7, uh, to have an update from the Refugee Working Group. Um, could I just say, Chairman, that following our last meeting here where we were reported that a number of families were coming to Essex, five families, totalling around 20 people, have indeed come to Essex, um, and they are all being housed in the Colchester area. Councillor Dean. Can I ask if we... I know last time it was reported that the, the Council has uh, nominated or identified the potential for one, property, one private property and one Council property. I mean, do we have contingency plans that if, if in fact the demand is greater that we can uh, stretch it further than, than that. Uh, I know the whole thing's up in the air and it, a lot of it depends on home office and government, government action but I think it's, to, it's about having contingency plans for I'm higher, sure need, higher I'm, need. I'm sure we, I'll ask Mr Harper to respond but uh, I'm sure we would have but it is being quite uh, well controlled through the Home Office and Essex County Council. We, we, I'm sure we will be taking refugees during the course of probably the first half of 2016 but uh, I doubt that there will be the sort of uh, situation that we had previously from the Lebanon but um, I'll ask Mr Harper to comment. Mrs Millership and I had a coordination meeting with Chris White from Essex County Council 
um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, the way that the process operates is that we need to identify specific properties that are available and put them into the Home Office system. Um, they will, that the properties will then be matched with a suitable family by UNHCR um, and the pipeline will then operate. We need to be able to, to guarantee that appropriate support services will be available to meet the needs of that particular family. And we do that uh, through coordination with Essex County Council offices in respect of ensuring that a school place will be available. Uh, any medical needs can be addressed through the CCG, be they physical or mental health issues. Uh, so there is a, a, a comprehensive system which has now been set up. Uh, we are currently reviewing what properties we could put into that system, because they do need to be specific properties rather than you know, a generalised offer in any way. The property that we'd previously identified is no longer available. We've had to use that to accommodate a, a homeless family um, presenting and accepted locally. Uh, so we are looking for alternative properties, but uh, we do intend to, to, to register properties um, so that we can play our part in this initiative. Your mic's not on. Sorry about that. I, th I think from what I heard from Mr. Harbour, we're not just simply keeping individual voids available just in case, um, but, but there's a kind of rolling arrangement, is it, if, if I can put it that way. Uh, and, and if we change what's available, we tell them the, the new lo location or the new address or whatever it is. Yep. Exactly. The way that we would have to manage that, once we've identified an appropriate property, we can minimise the void time in that property, potentially by putting another homeless family into it, but we will need to make sure we move that homeless family on at the time that it's required for the ar arriving refugee uh, household, because um, you know, there's a period of, of some weeks between uh, the matching taking place and the, the refugee family, uh, family arriving. Um. Yeah, thanks for that, it makes sense. Thank you. Uh, moving on to item 8, sale of land at the rear of 21 Churchfield. Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader. Um, the, this report advises the Cabinet that we've received a request to purchase an area of land. Uh, the area of land uh, is at 21 uh, Churchfield, which is located uh, off, off Cromwell Road. There's a very helpful map on page 15 for those members who aren't particularly familiar uh, with, with this particular area of Saffron Malden. The price proposed is £3,000 for the transfer um, and it will be subject to a restrictive covenant limiting its future use for garden use only. There has been a valuation done which determines the value of the land at between £4,100 and £6,000 but there is currently a cost of about £1,300 for maintaining this patch of land um, I'm familiar with it because I recognise it as an area where I've been canvassing in the past quite, quite a number of times and I believe we own a, a number of similar pieces of land in that area. In fact, I'm, I'm quite impressed that we actually own it because my recollection was that we didn't own some of these pieces. So I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see this coming forward. Um, I think it's something that, that, that I certainly can recommend to Council and I hope that, sorry, to Cabinet and I hope the Cabinet will give its approval. Councillor Light. 
Thank you. Yes, I uh, was curious uh, about this parcel of land, so I went to see it this afternoon, and um, I'm not sure why it would cost 1,300 to maintain it because it's an absolute mess, with completely overgrown. Um, also, the uh, residents of 21 have already removed their fences so that it's almost a de facto occupation of the land, um, which I'm not too happy about. And um, so, first point is that it doesn't seem maintained. Second is it's already been, in inverted commas, occupied. Thirdly, given the uh, shortage of housing in the area, has it actually been looked at and assessed as a possible building plot, a small house, maybe a sort of a, a, a unique shape, but could possibly be put there. Final question. Uh, perhaps Mr. Webb can answer the final question. I'm happy to address the other items. I, I can, and I can also address some of the other items. Some of the fence panels blew down in the recent gales. Um, I should also mention there's a right-of-way to be resolved from number 19, which goes across the back of that piece of land. Um, you will see from the map on page 15 that it's actually just footpaths that are linked to it. There isn't a lot of scope to do anything in terms of a building plot. We have looked at it, we have had it evaluated, and th that is the view. There is no option for building plot. So in terms of the maintenance of it it does cost that to do it um, I agree with Councillor Light it's in a complete mess at the moment it's an eyesore to the area which is why we think um, letting the homeowner of 21 have it is a very good deal Councillor Barker Chairman I've got, I've got no problem with this sale as it's been properly assessed and valued what I would ask is and I've asked it many times could we actually positively have a look at all these small pieces of land we own with a view to getting rid of them and selling them to neighbours when we can um, when I was chairman of the audit and performance committee one of the more onerous tasks that was set for the finance department was to do a full assessment of all of the assets that we own across the entire district you're absolutely right there are numerous such sites um, I'm pleased to see that the ownership of some of these sites have been resolved. For, for part of the problem is many of these sites have unclear ownership. Um, Mr. Webb is quite right. Access to this site is extremely difficult. It wouldn't make a suitable site for a house, no matter how unusual its design. Um, it's about getting access to it. I take Councillor Barker's point that we should be actively looking to maximise our income from, from surplus assets where we can. Um, so I commend this recommendation. Okay, uh, I don't see any more hands. Those in favour, I remind you of the recommendation that Cabinet approves the sale of the land to the rear of 21 Churchfield South more than a price of £3,000, and the sale will be subject to conditions preventing any development of the land. Uh, that is the recommendation. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. And uh, for minuting that um, we refresh the audit of similar parcels of land with an action plan as to what we're going to do with them. Thank you very much indeed. Item 9, the Financial Outlook and 2016-17 Budget Strategy. Councillor Howell. Right. This paper could either take a very, very long time or be relatively straightforward. Um, much of it will depend, I think, on how I present it. Um, this paper summarises the Financial Outlook for 2016-17 and then runs it forward through to 2020-21 uh, and it asks members to approve the strategy for drawing up the 16-17 budget 
We also look at the public consultation that is set out on council priorities. There's a very helpful timetable um, setting out the budget process. Um, first of all, it will go to scrutiny for review on the 9th of February, coming back to uh, the Cabinet on the 16th of February before it goes to final approval at, uh, at full council on the 25th of February. There's a recommendation here, and, and there has been a, a, an amendment I'd like to propose to that recommendation. It's subject to a single amendment to the recommendation, and I'll address that if you don't mind them, what that amendment is as we go through this paper, and then I'll bring you back to the original recommendation with the amendment. Um, now, the challenge, and it's a challenge that was well reported at the briefing that Mr. Webb gave to members yesterday, is that there has been there has been an un, uh, unusual amount of uncertainty around government funding and local government finance in particular um, this year. And that's made preparing the budget for 16-17 and our medium-term financial strategy particularly problematic. It's, it's sometimes quite difficult to see the wood for the trees in these exercises. It's been clear for some years now that there has been root and branch reform of local government finance taking place. The uh, changes to the localisation of business rates to council tax support is a, is a continuing process. Uh, but what's become apparent from the autumn statements in November of last year and more recently the local government finance settlement which was reported to full council in, on the 17th of December uh, is that there is going to be most likely a significant change to the, the new homes bonus. This is not a surprise either. Uh, all parties went into the general election identifying the reform of new homes bonus or its abolition uh, or or some change to new homes bonus as being a critical element of their re-election manifesto. So we have known that these changes are going to become clear. What we haven't necessarily known is the extent of the change that we would be confronted with. And what is clear is that the changes to the new homes bonus are really very significant and have a potentially very substantial impact on our uh, funding in future years. What we are aware of and do know is the new homes bonus figure for 2016-17 uh, and Mr. Webb gave a very good presentation yesterday setting out what are some of the implications of that uh, for our future funding. Uh, there's a consultation taking place, it closes on the 15th of March and that has an implication for us. We will have to review our medium-term financial strategy and bring it back to Cabinet in September to review again. Um, in the meantime, I think it's prudent for us as an organisation to assume that the new homes bonus income will be the option that is most affordable for the government rather than the one which is most preferable to us as an organisation. Um, so it's been flagged for some time. It makes the finance team's job particularly difficult. It also makes my job in presenting the budget and the medium-term financial strategy quite difficult. But it is appropriate for us to maintain a appropriate reserves for us and prudent reserves uh, at their current level so we are able to address the challenges as they become apparent, as, they, as the picture becomes more apparent. 
If I take you to 17, which is the budget model, which the finance team have used to populate their budget going forward, they have made certain assumptions around gross service expenditure, income, universal credit and service demand. There are also certain assumptions around the corporate items. Uh, and then, we're getting to the meat of it here, certain assumptions around government funding, um, specifically around the localisation of business rates, uh, and you'll see an improvement in 1617 as a result of the Council joining the Essex business rates pool. But I think we have to be realistic that there is no indication that the pooling scheme will continue beyond 16 and 17, and that is going to have an impact, therefore, on our uh, business rates retention from the next financial year onwards. Uh, the formula grants, it's been quite clear that it's going to be something that was ending. Our expectation is that it will have ended by 2018-19. And then the new homes bonus, uh, as indicated a moment ago, and as set out in Mr Webb's presentation to all councillors yesterday, the assumptions when we prepared uh, our budget and for the medium-term financial strategy is that we are assuming the affordable figure for central government for the remaining years of the plan. Now, if I turn to the other item, which is council tax, this is the item where I wish to make an amendment to the recommendation. Um, we are currently proposing a freeze in council tax for the forthcoming year, and thereafter, officers are proposing or assuming a 2% annual increase from 1718 onwards in line with the government's indications that they expect all councils to increase uh, council tax by the maximum amount each year. Um, I'm not sure whether copies of this have been avail made available, Mr Webb, or not. Um, Adrian mentioned yesterday at the presentation uh, that during the course of yesterday, um, there was some indications given around timings. We are expecting a surplus in 2016-17. Um, there are some issues around timing of that surplus and whether it's going to occur in 16-17 or 17-18. And for that reason, uh, we are deferring a decision on council tax uh, and whether it should be frozen or not for 2016-17 and that is the amendment to the recommendation uh, and it is proposed that the leader will indicate shortly to, um, to officers the decision on our recommendation on council tax when we are able to work out with greater clarity the impacts of the uh, timing change that is resulting from the valuation office um, clarification. That leads me on then to 18, which is the summary of the budget model. Having fed all of these assumptions and figures into the model, and this is the one occasion where I w wish that I had one of these electronic things rather than the paper version, because the table runs over two pages for me, but for everyone else, you can see in one page the impact of all of these assumptions and what it means for our budget each year. So in the course of 2016-17, leaving aside the timing issue, we are expecting a surplus of £4.7 million. 
followed by deficits in each subsequent year in 1718 of half a million, rising to 734,000 in 1819, um, £739,000 as a deficit in 1920, and 943,000 as a deficit in 2021. Uh, there is, however, some uncertainty as to the scale of the surplus in, in 1617 and the scale of the deficit in 1718. And for those reasons, there is a deferral on the recommendation. Um, 20 makes the point that it would be wise for us, given the uncertainties around new homes bonus, to look for efficiencies and savings. The reality is it is not just wise, it is absolutely essential that we as a council look at efficiencies and savings as an organisation. The increase of council tax on its own will not resolve these challenges. They represent a significant change uh, in the way that the Council has to address its statutory and some of the non-statutory responsibilities that it performs. We have to look at becoming more efficient and saving money where we can if we are to resolve the challenges that we face. I, I hear Councillor Dean's comments about a special purpose vehicle. I recognise that we as councillors have social and community responsibilities but we do have a very severe commercial challenge that we face and I believe the SPV, somewhat different to many other things and Councillor Redfern will talk in more detail about those other elements or certainly certain, some elements of that, um, they are somewhat different to the challenge that a special purpose vehicle will partially and only partially seek to address. Uh, for me, it is a simple matter of trying to maximise income from utilising surplus council assets, and I believe that that is something that residents will understand and will support. The alternative is that we call on residents to pay more and more in council tax, and I do not believe that that is the right solution. Leaving that aside, let's move on. Um, we are hoping to use the surpluses from 1617, or if the timing is slightly different, 1718, uh, and some transfer of funds from the Strategic Initiative Fund to help finance the SPV to do the work that it is charged with doing. There's a very helpful and interesting uh, consultation that took place, which had a very substantial response from members of the public I think this is the third time we've brought consultations back to Cabinet, and I know this one has gone to scrutiny. Um, I've noted a very significant increase in the number of people responding to the consultation. In the previous years, in 2014, it was less than 200 people. On this occasion, it was 820. That's a, a, a style that's, or, or a pattern that's been repeated on the consultations we've done on other aspects of the Council's services and, and I commend officers for ensuring that we, we, go into this consult, we go into this session with a very clear view of what local residents believe are the priorities um, for the Council and the issues which they feel are perhaps less priorities for, for, the business, for, for this organisation. Um, 
the consultation very clearly says that Uttlesford uh, residents would like the council to con concentrate on spending on collecting bins, planning how the district develops, sweeping our streets, supporting the elderly and working with the police and preventing drug use. And I very much endorse those views. Those were the, many of the reasons why I went into local politics myself. And I think that we as a council do an excellent job uh, in, in those areas. So I ask you to note uh, the results of the consultation. Um, and I ask that Cabinet approve the 1617 budget strategy and the key action set out in the report, subject to the amendment that a decision on the council tax um, for 1617 uh, is deferred and ref referred to officers at a later date. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Does anybody wish to comment? Councillor Dean. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I welcome um, Councillor Howell's um, decision to defer a decision on the, um, the council tax. I know we, the next item on the agenda is the massive uncertainties regarding new homes bonus, and uh, it, it goes beyond uncertainties. It goes into areas of what you might call penalty uh, from, from central government in terms of potential loss, uh, un, unknown or uncertain loss of income through that process. So there are, there are a lot of uncertainties. I'm, I'm pleased in with the overall report that it's, it's not taking a zero risk approach. In other words, it's not saying that uh, the problems will be 100%. It's taking a, a line somewhere through the centre, which is, I think, a um, a variation from the past where I have been critical in the past that the council has been overcautious and, and not and stacked money away in reserves that haven't been needed and there was an example of that in um, last December so so I think I think the, I think that from what I can see at the moment that a sensible course is being steered overall um, assessing the risks and, and certainly one of the risks is does appear to be and we'll be discussing it shortly the loss of money through new homes bonus and that's not the only area so, so I think at this stage it would be unwise and I said so last night at the private uh, workshop to declare a zero increase in council tax particularly uh, bearing in mind that over the last I don't know how many years the, the, the level of the council tax has been eroded by something over 13% and I think to erode it even further when there are very soon uh, financial problems around the corner and the fact that we've got a high, or the council will have a high surplus this year you can't keep spending that year after year and if it's going to go into a special purpose view we can't spend it twice so, so I, think, I think that a lot more thought needs to be given to what the level of council tax rises, it would appear from what I understand that it could um, bring in an additional £150,000 a year if that were so decided. Um, that happens to be one of the figures that we could end up being penalised for over new homes bonus. I'm not saying that there's a direct comparison there, but it's just an example of how I think we, we, need, to be, we need to be cautious. Last year, I did make the proposal that the, the council tax should be put up, but 
owe it because of the high surplus that year that it could be handed back as a one-off. By doing that, you maintain the, the base council tax such that if you find the following year you have to put it up by another couple of percent, you're, you're starting from a higher base rather than being restricted to going up to the number you want. So I think, a lot, I think further thought needs to be um, um, paid on this one and uh, so we can at least avoid the discussion we had last year about having to send letters out twice or, um, and, and so on. Which, which, so so I, I'll, I'll say no more on that at the moment. No doubt, no doubt we'll come back to it. Um, I would like just to pick up what, one point um, and there may be a rational explanation for it but on page, on page 23 which is in paragraph 26, there is reference to the um, priorities that the, the public um, came in with uh, from the consultation. And it's correct to say that it, it, here it says supporting the elderly. But in fact, in the, uh, if I'm looking in the right place on the actual uh, more detailed survey response, it talked about a high priority being providing sheltered housing for older people and providing council housing. Now, the provision of council housing isn't mentioned here. I know that it's a housing, uh, um, housing account matter in terms of expenditure, but I think in terms of the public's um, concerns, the, the, the need for more council housing, social housing uh, for younger people is just as important as sheltered housing for older people. So I'm, I'm querying whether the report here accurately reflects the, the data in the res response to the survey. Um, and, and I think all I would say in conclusion, yes, reference has been made, it is made in paragraph 22 to the special purpose vehicle that I talked about earlier and it does say that five to seven million pounds would be found to kick, I guess to kick start that because if it gets underway it's going to be a much bigger beast than five to seven million pounds. Um, you know that, that, is, that is money in the general fund which might be well used to kick start this but, but it also comes back to the point about delivering community needs as well, and, and, and I don't want to go over what I said before, but I think you know you talk about relative substantial sums of money in terms of the council's reserves at the moment, and that's before we start thinking about borrowing, if that's which is likely. So I, I don't want to, I, I won't repeat that. But, so I guess there are two points to, to just to summarise. Yeah, I, I support the decision not to rush ahead with declaring a zero council tax increase. And I just want to make sure we haven't lost sight of the public's saying that council housing is a high priority. I'll let uh, Councillor Howell just talk about paragraph 26 and um, the council houses as a priority. But in general terms, uh, I'm not um, sure that I totally agree with the, the, the description sort of eroding the base. I mean, um, you know, where a council is able to return uh, taxpayers' money to the taxpayer, I think that is an absolutely legitimate thing to do, and we were in a very fortunate position for a number of years to do that, and, and we did it, and have absolutely no regrets about doing it. Um, we heard, I think the... Um, 
the portfolio holder um, for finance is absolutely spot on to um, reserve a judgment um, on what we do with council tax in 1617 um, in the light of it's a very moving situation very fluid situation totally unusual to anything that I've experienced in my time as a councillor I imagine probably you and yours um, we even heard new information last night uh, around uh, business rate retention so um, it uh, which is the primary reason why we're, we're just um, wanting to review that and try and get a little bit more information it's possible that we might stay with a with a no change strategy but uh, we'll certainly try and let you know in advance of your scrutiny meeting so you can have a full scrutiny uh, review on that um, but uh, you'll see the figures for the following years now they've been put in by officers we passed no comment on years after 1617 but um, you obviously will have noticed that um, the um, uh, in-year surplus deficit as quoted in um, box 18, the bottom of box 18 is dependent on a 2% increase. So if you don't put it up by 2% then you're going to have to find even more money. So, uh, but as I say we've passed no comment on future years and we'll, get, we'll give you an answer on next year as quickly as possible. But I think it's right to put a foot on the ball just while we gather information in these particularly fluid times. So thank you for your support on that. Uh, let me ask uh, Councillor Howell to... Uh, yes, it doesn't affect Councillor uh, Paragraph 26, which Councillor Howell is going to deal with. But yeah, go ahead. Now, just to clarify, that Councillor Dean mentioned a figure of 150,000. Just for clarification, 1% increase in council tax equates to a little over 40,000. So I wasn't quite sure where the 150,000 came uh, from. I think I know the answer to that. Well, my, I, yes, I quoted that because my understanding, and Mr. Uh, Adrian Webb will be able to get it more precisely than I can, but as I understand it, there's some kind of ceiling that uh, central governments come up with now and if we go to that ceiling that would deliver around about £150,000. Yeah. Okay, right. Councillor so Howell, could... paragraph 26. Uh, on paragraph 26, this was a point that I think came up at your scrutiny meeting which is very interesting. Um, I, 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 th I think the challenge is, I, I have to refer you to pages 71, 72 and 73 which actually contain the full questionnaire. And, and the, the difficulty is you can only report what were responses to specific questions. And so local residents were asked, for example, and now I can't find it, oh here it is, uh, providing council housing and provided sheltering, sheltered housing for older people. That was a particular question. They were also asked specific questions around day centres and the lifeline service which why adding all of the responses together gives you the generic answer that local residents were supportive of supporting the elderly because they grouped together responses to a number of questions which they all felt were priorities. But, but my recollection was, and I don't disagree with you, that council housing or, or, or affordable housing for the entire population is a priority for our community it's, and it's something that I know Councillor Redfern is going to, to talk about later but, but, but it's not what was asked from in the questionnaire and so the response to the questionnaire is, is accurate it might well be that in future years we want to look at the questions and refine them and that's something that we can do but I think that residents gave a, an accurate response to the question that they were asked I just come back before Councillor Redfern comes in if she's going to do so. Yeah, I, 
I, miss, I read this paragraph as providing council housing and providing sheltered housing for older people, not general needs housing for older people. I mean, I don't even know that there's a system whereby we provide general needs housing specific for older people as opposed to who's eligible. So, so maybe the question was, well, it's certainly ambiguous. Uh, and, and I do, I think I said this at the, at the December meeting, I've forgotten now what detail we went into, but yeah, I think there is a need for a more careful thought about what questions are asked to make sure, sure. that we're not skewing it the wrong way and you that we're not, we're not in particular paying no attention to, or, or being seen to pay no attention to young people, younger people. That's, that's, I guess, I'll let point. Uh, Councillor Redfern reassure you, which I'm sure she will do, that uh, providing social housing is a key priority of this council. Wow, absolutely. And, sorry? Yeah. Um, Councillor Dean, you're on the um, housing board with myself, so I think you know how I feel about, um, well, how we all feel about providing um, all types of um, affordable and social housing, but I've got so much to say later, I'll say no more now. Any other? Councillor Light. Yeah, thank you. Um, I've got a, a couple of questions. Um, I think a couple I can, I'll put over to when we move on to the um, new homes bonus and uh, housing. Um, but what um, I'm quite interested uh, in is this five to seven million pounds to fund the uh, initial special purpose vehicle, yet at the same time there's the possibility that council tax would be increased um, and not bring in vast amounts of money, yet the council is willing to spend the five to seven million pounds. So how does that, uh, how would that sit with providing services to, uh, to Uttlesford? Uh, I'm not sure that I entirely understand the question. Um, it is clear that if we wish to develop surplus assets that we own, then we have to invest in the development of those assets. Uh, we cannot take a piece of land. Oh, well, we have a series of options available to us. We could sell the land to a developer and they could invest their money and build whatever they built on that or alternatively we could seek to develop it ourselves retain the ownership and that would give us an income over time the purpose of generating that income over time is that we seek to protect ourselves and local residents from what is clearly going to be a challenging environment as the government reduces funding that we receive and we become increasingly reliant on business rates and council tax. And if we can generate additional income in the same way that we generate income from car parks and other assets, that has to be beneficial to local residents. Over time, I hope that we will do what many councils do and an increasing proportion of their income is derived from the income we are able to generate from assets that we own rather than relying on council tax and business rates alone. And that is beneficial to our local residents. We also retain at the end of that an asset that we can sell at some future date should we need to. But I recognise that in all walks of life, 
you have to forego something if you're going to, as, as Councillor Dean said, you can't spend it twice. If we're going to spend it on developing surplus assets, we can't then spend it on something else. It does mean that we perhaps forego a piece of investment that we might like to, or some councillors might like to invest in. But if we do this correctly, it will reinforce the financial robustness of this, of this organisation, allow us to do things and lessen our dependence on local residents in the form of council tax. So in that sense, I believe it is an investment worth making. Thank you. I appreciate the theory. However, if I'd like to suggest that maybe five to seven million quid are not spent sort of within a year, I'm, sure, I'm assuming we're looking over a longer period. Therefore, uh, when the decision or when uh, the, um, let's say the figures are looked at, I would like to see that there is a consideration that both could be done. Are you referring to levels of council tax? I am. Well, uh, I congratulate you. You're thinking like a Conservative, which is um, very, very helpful. Um, but, uh, 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 well, you are, actually, with respect. But um, uh, the point I was trying to illustrate is exactly what we did over the last four to five years in terms of where we could afford it. We obviously uh, reduced or, or held council tax. What we're doing now is we're looking forward, and I think any observation would suggest that we are going to go through turbulent times and we need to take the appropriate action around that. Um, the fact that we have a, a reserves built up over time, including what we might accrue this year, uh, gives us what, uh, I won't repeat what Councillor Howells just said, but to invest, and, and, and Councillor Dean's point, it won't necessarily all be in uh, something that gives us re an income return. We'll obviously continue to uh, in invest in uh, key social aspects as well, uh, but primarily will we'll, we'll give us the return, which in these later years, when we could be up to a million pound in deficit, um, which is quite a figure on a £10 million uh, budget to find, uh, that it will help by that time help to offset uh, that. So that, that, that is the thinking. But, uh, so I think they're absolutely coterminous, the two. Um, and um, y you know, we, we, we need to be looking forward uh, on this one. I would like to see that a social agenda is maintained in that the, the residents of Uttlesford are given absolute priority. Uh, I do appreciate the fact that um, money needs to be raised yeah, because of uh, what is happening at uh, national level with uh, cuts. Um, other uh, ways, I think, of raising money could be looked at, which don't need to go into any detail here, but, for example, community asset uh, company, community interest companies, so different, uh, not just building houses, different things could be looked at. However, my main point here is that the residents uh, and the social aspect of a budget is taken into consideration. I have another a question I'd like to ask, um, which is the um, 33 gross service expenditure is decreasing rapidly as shown in, on page 21. It increases to 23 over a period of five years. Could you just say something about that, please? It's the top line. I think uh, Councillor uh, Mr. Webb, sorry, has got his hand up. So, I'll <laughs> gross service expenditure going from 33 to 23 over the five-year period. 
Uh, yeah, that, that relates specifically to universal credit. As universal credit takes over, then our benefit, the role we have in housing benefit decreases. So that's the reflection on that. That's, that's solely what that is. Okay, uh, Councillor Howell. May I come back to, to Councillor Light on one point she made? Um, I think it's quite important that we remind ourselves that while we have a really important social responsibility and we carry out social duties as a council, we, we also have always been and will continue to be a commercial organisation. We generate commercial income currently whether it be from car parks, from the charges that we make to individuals when they put in planning applications. Uh, we provide uh, collection services to business where we charge. And we don't have a debate ever about the commercial entities that's, or the commercial services that we deliver. They do not compromise the very important social duties and responsibilities we have. I went into local politics very conscious of my responsibilities in, in that area, and I don't believe that we have ever done anything that would compromise those. In fact, I believe we've strengthened them and we endorse them. But we should not lose sight of the fact we have always been a commercial organisation that makes commercial decisions, and I see this as a continuation of that philosophy and completely in keeping with what we have always done as an organisation. Okay, are there any other points? Otherwise, I'm going to propose that we go to a vote on recommendation. The Cabinet is recommended to approve the 16-17 budget strategy and key actions as set out in this report, with the exception that uh, Councillor Howell has pointed out that at the moment the 16-17 uh, assumption around ca uh, council tax is open, uh, but we will come back uh, within the next two weeks in time for the scrutiny meeting uh, with a final figure or a recommended figure, because it has to be approved by Council, obviously. So those in favour of that recommendation? Thank you. Carried unanimously. On to item eight, uh, 10, which is New Homes Bonus Consultation Response. Councillor Howell. Um, there are two ways of doing this. I can do Adrian Webb's presentation from last night, or I can, since we were all there, hope that we have broadly read this paper. Um, I, I thought the officer's presentation yesterday was really helpful and probably the first time that I've been to a consultation or we've done a consultation where I thought that not only cabinet and scrutiny uh, or whatever committee did it, but almost every councillor was involved in that process and given an opportunity to comment. And sometimes we do consultations and I feel that the decision, not decisions, the recommendations are, are ones that are presented to a relatively small number of councillors. This is a consultation where I thought many people had the opportunity to comment. And it's very right that, that this should be so because the changes that the government are proposing to new homes bonus are very, very significant and substantial. They will change the way that this council looks I believe, in two or three years' time. Um, I thought the comments that were made were very informative and helpful. I, I didn't contribute to the discussion because I wanted to hear the views of other councillors. 
I thought that Councillor Barker was ex entirely right when she said we needed to show more passion about some of the items, and, and that's not a criticism of officers' rec proposed responses. But, but frankly, some of the proposed changes to News Homes bonus cut to the very core of what we as an organisation are able to deliver and should be delivering. And simply saying that we're unhappy is, I don't think, characterising how unhappy we are, if that makes sense. So Councillor Barker was in, entirely right. I think Councillor Hargreaves um, made some very good um, <coughs> comments about how it ran counter to comments made in the autumn statement about the transparency and predictability of Council's incomes going forward. And I think he's right. It, it potentially encourages Councils to prepare or retain reserves in case they lose appeals, which cannot be the right approach and, and, and I think the consultation needs to make it clear that, that it would be wrong for us to be uh, as any organisation to act in that way um, and I cannot believe that that was what intended um, similarly Councillor Sell um, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I was struck by there were very very good contributions by a number of councillors from across the political spectrum all saying that while we recognise that there has to be a change, well, there will inevitably be a change in the way new homes bonus is calculated, and we recognise that the funding is going to social care at County Council, uh, and you might recognise the value in doing that, um, the detail of how the government is proposing to bring in, um, or is consulting on how to bring in the changes, um, are, are very significant. I think we have, however, to be fairly realistic. We've known about the reforms, their likelihood. We've known about the scale, and I think we need to be preparing, even if we go back with the, consult with the, res with the response to the consultation, in, along the lines uh, proposed, we need to be preparing our budgets on the basis of affordability, uh, effectively hoping for the best, but prepared for the worst. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Now, being a little bit more specific so that we know what we're talking about, I think um, uh, you're talking about particularly um, consultation point six, which is the one that says that um, um, if something was won on appeal, we wouldn't have any. It, that was the one that we really wanted to, to, to get a bit of, um, yeah, a bit of passion behind. Um, now, I don't propose that uh, we do a redraft in committee. It's always hopeless when you do that. But uh, to ask uh, officers to go away and interpret that. I mean, this is this is um, sort of over our dead body type stuff. Uh, uh, five and six, absolutely absurd, um, and uh, is undermining what is uh, essentially a quasi-judicial quasi body, which is a planning committee, um, and uh, that really is unorthodox and probably subject to judicial review if they did try to do it. So I think we really need to beef that one up a bit. I, I think we can be a little bit more, uh, a bit stronger about. Um, uh, new homes bonus. We do consider it to be an important incentive, um, and um, you, you know it is a key part of um, uh, financing of local government, particularly communities like our own. Um, and uh, the implications, are, if they cut it as they intend to cut it, would be uh, that um, services will suffer in Uttlesford or might suffer in Uttlesford. Obviously, we're going to work very hard. They don't, but uh, um, that will be because of our good endeavours, not no help to the government. So I think um, those two areas are ones that uh, out of last night's meeting that we really want to um, give greater emphasis to. Uh, Councillor Barker and any other comments? Uh, 
Uh, Chairman, I think I would be quite happy to delegate to Councillor Howell in consultation with the officers um, some slightly more robust responses. Um, we do have a Cabinet meeting, I know it's the Budget Cabinet meeting in February, but that's still in plenty of time for us to get a response to this and if we could bring back some slightly more robust whatevers and possibly take them to scrutiny on the 9th of February as well to see if, you know, to get more, because we have got till the 15th of March. Helpful. Yep. Councillor Dean. Taking some words out of my mouth, Councillor Rolfe, in that uh, I, think, I think the problem with this, um, this whole proposed process here is that it, it's, it's underhand. It's not dealing with uh, loss of new homes bonus in a transparent manner. It's introducing pitfalls. It's introducing twists and manoeuvres, which, which I think, well, I think if, were, they to, were the government to try to get these through, some of these things through legislation would, you know, would end up in the courts, uh, and, and particularly the one that, that has been referred to, which is question six, which essentially is bringing a sort of financial considerations blatantly into the planning process and planning decision-making process. I know it's... Uh, Often, argue, often argued, and I would argue incorrectly, that you've got to consider costs if you have to go to appeal and appeals are, if you refuse and, and it goes to appeal and, and costs are awarded against the council. But I think that's, that's understood to be part of the process and a risk that sometimes one takes by making a decision that the members of the, the committee feel right. But to have central government introducing such a... Uh, uh, a blatant distortion, I think, uh, into the decision-making process of the planning committee. I spoke, I mentioned it to my wife last night, who used to be a member of the planning committee. She couldn't believe it and said it was outrageous. So I, I think that that needs to be really looked at and, and, and hammer that message home that it's just totally perverse and, 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 and wrong and potentially illegal. I, th you're, I think you're right to end up with JR. <laughs> you'd end up with the community here taking the council to judicial review because all we were doing was making planning decisions based on financial considerations uh, and that would be disastrous. <laughs> Mr Harper. Yes, I think I should probably point out that I don't think the government would accept that it's um, asking planning authorities to take into account the impact on the council's finances of its decisions. Um, I think the government would point out that if a, a development has been allowed on appeal, that must be a lawful decision because otherwise the government would be subject to JR. Um, so I, I, think, um, I think we need to be careful about what we say to government if we're expecting government to take on board what we say. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll find the right words, but you get a sense of the general feeling. And, and, and I should add that we'll obviously use uh, the offices of our local Member of Parliament to reinforce this point. Um, so, uh, and I'm sure there'll be many other MPs that will be doing the same thing. So hopefully the weight of argument will win. I will just say a word of defence of my government. Um, and whilst I don't think this is, to be fair, it's only a consultation at the moment, um, is that uh, they clearly uh, are struggling to get the house building programme moving. And you can have your own theory about whether there are enough incentives for developers to get going, whether there are enough developers, whether there are not, sorry, builders, um, etc. But, um, you know, I do think there needs to be a bit of uh, 
uh, carrot and stick in terms of um, apparently there are in the order of 600,000 planning applications that are just sitting there waiting to be built. That's three years worth of development at the required level, let, let alone the uh, current level. So maybe some incentive to get building rather than waiting for the market to be right would be helpful. But uh, we can add that perhaps into our comments to our Member of Parliament, but it doesn't actually answer this point. I think we all understand what we want to do here. Unless there are any new points, I suggest we move on. But May I just come back briefly? I mean, it's interesting you mentioned this point about the press complaints about um, developers sitting on land banks, but I thought that local authorities were supposed to have in the bank a five-year land supply, and surely a five-year land supply adds up to something like the sorts of numbers that they say are where permissions have given but not been implemented. So it, it's a result of the NPPF, is it not, and not, not the fault of developers not doing things. That's the way I read it. Now, unless they talk about another tranche of... Uh, well, I think the point I'm I, making I, I, is I, I, that I, I, uh, we're feeding planning permissions in at one end, but we're not getting houses come out the other end. And, and, and what, is the, what is the sort of blockage in the system? But anyway, it's not to be fair, the point that we're discussing yeah. under item 10. So are there any other new points? I'll remind you of the recommendations. Recommended that Cabinet approves the response to the consultation as set out in this report. We've already agreed that um, uh, we, we want to do more than uh, as set out in the report, that that will come back to the next Cabinet meeting before sign-off by the required date that it's submitted, that we'll include uh, representations to our Member of Parliament. Um, are we content to, with that recommendation? Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Moving on to item 11, um, where we change subject now uh, to housing, and the title is the HRA Business Plan 16 to 46. Uh, gosh, who of us will be around in 46 to look at this one? But, um, and the author is uh, Councillor Redfern, who hopes to be. Right. <laughs> but not sitting here. <laughs> um, thank you, Chairman. Um, I am going to... This, these um, next few items kind of all link together, but I'm, we're going to take them in, um, individually. Um, and I'm lucky enough to have um, Mrs Millership here and Councillor Dean, who's also a member of the Housing Board, so I'm sure that um, if I get anything wrong, they're both here to pick me up. But here we go. Um, so this is the first full revision of our HRA business plan since 2012. And the 30-year HRA business plan has been rewritten to reflect the current regulatory and economic climate and reflects our thinking about areas such as inflation, national rental policy, right to buy sales, works, cost inflation and interest rates. These have a, all have a potential impact on the Council's major investment plans and particularly the development of new homes, improvements of its sheltered housing and other planned maintenance programmes. In both the welfare reform and housing bills there have also been a number of proposals which have which could have a significant impact on the Council's HRA, both immediately and in the longer term. Whilst much of the detail, like so much else we've been talking about, is yet to be finalised, um, officers have been working to try and estimate the impact that this, what we do know so far will have on our business plan. The enforced sale of voids in particular could have the biggest impact, with at least 45% of the Council's properties potentially falling into the definition of high-value properties. The business plan will need to be reviewed once further details of this policy 
change are known. And in the meantime, um, members, including myself and officers, have written and met with the Housing Minister to try and lobby for a fairer deal for councils like Uttlesford and elsewhere, where house prices are so high. There will be further pressure on the HRA with supporting people funding cuts. This is being covered in a separate item further on tonight. An action plan has been developed that outlines the, council's, the council will meet the four strategic priorities of the business plan. And these priorities are to operate a sound and viable housing business in a professional and cost-effective manner, to ensure that all council tenants live in, in a decent home in settled communities for as long as it is needed, consistent with the council's tenancy tra tenant strategy. To help tenants and leaseholders get involved with decisions about their housing, regenerate the stock and new build affordable rented council housing in an efficient and effective manner. To regenerate the stock and estates and build new affordable rented council housing in an efficient and effective manner. An updated version of the HRA business plan um, has been developed which takes into account all estimated investment, repairs and management costs required, as far as we can tell, over the next 30 years. No allowance has been made in the business plan for larger building or refurbishing projects beyond 2021. If members wish to see a continuation of the redevelopment projects beyond 2021, options to finance these projects will need to be explored. In summary, based on the current financial assumptions, the business plan demonstrates that all expenditure proposals can be met, and these include the management and maintenance of existing stock, payment of our debt, investment in stock, delivery of regeneration and new affordable housing, and remodelling of sheltered schemes. As already mentioned, the business plan will need to be reviewed and, if necessary, updated once further details of the government's policy changes are known. And has been reviewed and also agreed by the Housing Board and I and um, the Housing Board um, recommend this for its adoption by Cabinet. The recommendation that the Cabinet agrees the adoption of the HRA Business Plan 2016 to 2046 as recommended by the Housing Board. Thank you very much indeed. Councillor Barker. Chairman, I'm very happy to, to agree this. I think it's a good document, but I think actually we must congratulate the Housing Department, not for what they're going to do, but some of what they tell us they have done. Um, since 2012, 296 new bathrooms, new kitchens, 210 new bathrooms, 905 replacement boilers, and 1,542 electrical rewires. That's half our stock we have rewired in the last three years. I think some of those and some of the starts we've made on refurbishing buildings and rebuilding is, is really impressive and uh, I um, endorse this document and hope we're going to do as much in the next few years. No, I totally endorse that. You took the words out of my mouth. What I was trying to get a feel for is, um, because up, up until now I, I think it's been a first-class performance, um, but in terms of uh, paragraph 23, where you talk about the big projects after 2021, unless there's a different form of financing, I think um, that we need to start to have a look at what that might mean. So do we think in 
2025, 2030, whatever the case may be, that uh, we will need to be investing in these large schemes and therefore start to start the discussion about how might we finance them. Because I take your point, uh, it's not part of the plan, uh, but what I don't particularly want to do is leave a legacy that we knew we wouldn't be able to do it and had uh, no um, plans in terms of dealing with a potential problem. So you've been quite honest, you've laid it out there, but I, I would ask that you, you have a think in terms of what is likely to come on the agenda in that period um, and what the options might be, and then we can start to prepare accordingly. Now, um, in your opening letter, you talked about successfully delivering 21 new council homes, and it comes under the uh, heading that uh, Councillor Barker has just referred to. But then under new build on page 40 of the document, um, we talk after um, uh, the period beyond year five, an average of six units per year. Now, again, I'd like to know what that means. So in the context of who we've got on, the numbers we've got on the waiting list at the moment, predicting that forward and building at that kind of level, what kind of problem could that be? Um, produce and therefore again uh, th there are no magic wands but at least if we understand the extent of a potential problem we can start to uh, you know think about it address it talk collectively about it um, so I think what I absolutely agree with Councillor Parker I think up until now it's been a brilliant performance you're now uh, in a very difficult situation with potential government um, um, legislation that could reduce uh, A, your income stream and B, uh, the, the actual houses that you have. Um, but uh, how might uh, we address that, I guess, is the question, which is in the, in, in the housing strategy, I understand. But um, Councillor Howell. Thank you, Leader. I, I, I'd like to endorse the comments that have been made. I've, I've read this report with interest. It's... Uh, Housing officers and Councillor Redfern, you're to be commended with the work that's been done. I, I, I don't want to quibble, but I've listened to the presentation that you've given, and, you've, and we've had a discussion so far this evening around so many of the challenges, and you've identified the challenges that the housing portfolio holder faces. You say the report reflects the regulatory environment, and you, you flag the, the, the right to buy. And I don't I wonder whether the tone of your forward captures that challenge because we have lots of very, very good things to say, but we very definitely face some significant challenges. You've spoken about them yourself. Um, and my concern is that in your forward, it doesn't necessarily feed through to the comments you've made, nor to the content. So we talk about the council is now in a much stronger position than under the previous arrangements. And as this plan describes, we can look forward to significant investment in new and improved housing to help meet the current and anticipated future needs of the district. I very much hope that that is the case. But I've heard how difficult that's going to be. And, and I'm, I, I, the, the tone is actually doesn't seem to match. I'm really sorry to say it. <laughs> Perhaps my presentation was a bit downbeat and my foreword is a bit upbeat. Um, obviously, we can um, change this foreword slightly, but it's quite difficult to do without getting too, being too political, and I don't like to um, get that in there, but I'm happy to have another look at, another look at that. Um, and I... 
did speak, I mean, um, Ros may want to say something more about this than Adrian, but I did, we, Adrian and I did very briefly speak yesterday, and um, Ros and I have spoken more recently as well about how we are going to address um, our situation going forward, and we are thinking we do, obviously, we do need to look at how our £88 million loan is scheduled because that obviously puts with the changes we're facing that, uh, and how that is done, that does put some brakes on what we're doing. And I, you all know how I feel about um, providing housing. And yes, we are doing a great job at this moment. And, there, and you can see on the horizon things changing. But, but there's so much uncertainty as well. It's the right to buy. How we, what, what funding are we going to get from that? How do we address that? You know, if it's one for one, where do we get that from? We just uh, there's so much we don't know. So I expect to bring this back again fairly soon because um, when we do know what's what then I think we can probably probably address a lot of what we're all feeling um, we don't know at the moment but um, maybe the other two would like to say something more I'll say something um, the, the loan when it was taken out was it's made up of several different parcels but it was taken out with the aim of repaying it all over 30 years and I think that's the question is, is where does 30 years come from? Is it realistic? Why can't it be 50 years longer? You know, and that's the sort of thing we've, we've been um, having discussions with the financial advisors for the last six to eight months about how we finance this debt in the longer term so that we can continue to develop because the way it was originally structured, there were no repayments of the principal for the first five years. Um, obviously, that's now coming to an end, and that will slow up our ability to fund projects. So we're, we're looking at whether we extend that over a longer time period to enable us to continue the good work. Do you want to say anything else? Okay, Councillor Dean. Okay, thank you. The point I wanted to raise has actually been triggered by the point that uh, Councillor Howell made, and. I, I'm going to have to refer to the minutes of the most recent housing board uh, in order to find my references, which I, I can't find. I don't have paper copies with post-its in that tell me what the original was and what the latest is. So, so, so um, Ross is going to have to help me out here. But anyway, there's a paragraph here which says that Councillor Dean said that the risk associated with the enforced sale of void properties needed to be quantified. In response, the Assistant Director of Housing and Environmental Services said that it was not yet known exactly what the, reg the regional figures for enforced sales of voids would be, and so it was not currently possible to quantify the risk to the Council. She would amend the business plan so that it more clearly illustrated the potential risk the enforced sale of voids would have on the Council housing stock numbers. Um, so my question to Mrs Millership is, is this document different from the one that we had at the Housing Board? And if so, can you tell me where? Because, unfortunately, I can't remember my, where my original query arose. <laughs> it, it, it does. Um, it's, it's got a paragraph now with, uh, on page, two, three, page 23 of the business plan, the extension of um, right to buy to housing association and forced sale of council stock. Where it's, it's got some extra wording there about the risk. It's on page of the, of the actual business plan itself, the document itself. If you've got a hard copy, it's page 42.
Excuse me, the, the paragraph it, it, headed yeah. right to buy. Res oh no, the, the last paragraph, and sanction of RTB to Housing Association forced sale of council stock. That's been extended and. It's been extended well, just to, to add, you know, that there bit, is a, more of a risk. Yeah, and, I th and in the report itself, you know, we've sort of said the risk there. I mean, there's no doubt that that, that policy could undermine the business plan. So we do have to keep an eye on things, and and you know, we will be bringing the business plan back if if um, if that policy goes through as 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 it states in the manifesto. Yeah, all right. um, I'm not going to read this now, but clearly this is a, an ongoing thing, and yeah. Councillor Redfern said this might get rewritten fairly soon. So, um, so yeah, I, I think I, the key I, point I take is it that, that this is at least being a little bit more explicit about the problem, yeah. because it was a bit um, wishy-washy originally. I recollect. There's no doubt that the extension of RTB will happen to housing associations. I think the government is absolutely committed to that. It's a question of how it's dealt with, how it's paid for, and etc. That is the debate. And I think this council is doing more than most, actually, um, in terms of lobbying the government. Um, Mrs. Millership is now on. Almost friend, well, friend is not the right word, but certainly considered one of uh, the minister's key advisers on this subject. So, um, which is, I think, you know, all credit. A, there's a serious point behind this because um, it, we do need to make take every opportunity to lobby hard because it could have such a huge impact on this council. So that work will continue. Um, but. Uh, rather like the early discussion, there are areas of doubt. It's difficult, but I, I think the general tone is that everybody's done such a great job, and we need to be flashing slightly more, uh, slightly harder. That, uh, that you, you know, we could potentially have some significant problems, and uh, maybe with some idea about. And Mr. Weber started to allude to them about how we would deal with those problems, so that we're able to continue to maintain the quality and the quantity, given the RTB scenario of our stock. You want one more word, Councillor? If I just could, on page 45, we refer to the modest programme of five units a year. Is that in addition to any replacements for RTBs, or is that the total? The, the reason I ask is because when we come on to the next document, on page 119 of our agenda pack, page 35 of the housing strategy, it refers to 15 new council homes a year. Yeah, it's, I've, just, I've just been doing some figures here. Some of them include, yeah, you've got the right to buy replacement, so we're looking at... Ten of those. And yeah, five of those a year. But on top of that, we've got a development programme as well, so there'll be a, an addition to that. Okay. And then I think you wanted to say something, Mr. Fellowship? Um, the other point was, I think, at the Housing Board, um, Councillor Dean did ask for... Um, something specific in the action plan about improving um, estates and there, there is that extra line there that we've put develop and implement initiatives for improving estates so that can be monitored through the housing boards that we deliver on that. Yes, yes thanks for that. Uh, I did look at the minutes today and I think there's an error. It says council estate generation rather than regeneration. Uh, might want to look at that. I mean, we might want to create some new council estates, but this was about bringing up to the, uh, into the 21st century the ones which have been there since the middle of the 20th. <laughs> right. Okay, if there aren't any other 
comments. The recommendation to remind you is that Cabinet agrees the adoption of the HRA Business Plan 16-46 as recommended by the Housing Board, um, and we've added the qualification uh, that uh, we would like to look at some sort of down-case scenarios in terms of what our response might be to that. So given that qualification, those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. I now move on to item 12, uh, which is the housing strategy uh, for the next five years. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, this is the new housing strategy, which has been um, prepared and has been out to consultation. Um, the new housing strategy will run from 2016 to 2021 and sets out the Council's vision and aims for housing in the district for the next five years. The strategy describes the key issues affecting the local housing market and what the Council intends to do to create the right conditions to support growth and improve housing outcomes for local people. It also identifies the challenges in delivering new homes and housing services locally and informs on what actions will be required to meet both current and future housing needs and aspirations. The following consultation, four key strategic priorities have been identified for the new housing strategy. Increasing housing supply across all ten years. Helping people to live independently. Ensuring decent, safe and healthy healthy homes, creating sustainable communities. Accompanying the housing strategy is the housing strategy action plan, which sets out detailed objectives and outcomes for each of these priorities. Due to the number of policy changes currently being proposed by the government, the housing strategy and action plan will be kept under review and updated regularly in order to reflect the changes in policy, practice and economic conditions. So, yet again, this will be something else that I expect we will be looking at again in the not-too-distant future. Um, following a period of consultation, the strategy has been reviewed and agreed by the Housing Board, who recommends it for adoption by the Cabinet. So the recommendation is that Cabinet agrees the adoption of the Housing Strategy 2016 to 2021 as recommended by the Housing Board. Happy to take any questions. Thank you. Councillor Barker. Um, two questions, if I could. First of all, when I was reading this document, it refers to um, the fact that we acquired a site or identified a site for a refuge. Um, and I just wanted to know if there had been any progress on that. And the second one was actually around our targets on page 119. We have some key outcomes there. Um, the second key outcome says 40% affordable housing gained on market-led sites. Now, quite a lot of our sites are market-led, and quite a lot of our sites are quite large sites, and we do achieve 40% affordable housing. Um, if we have a housing target in our emerging local plan of around 580 houses a year, then actually suggesting that we only achieve 100 affordable, which is less than 20%, seems a little on the low side. It doesn't seem to have moved with the housing numbers. When we were on 300 a year, then housing seemed, 100 would seem good. But if we're now on 580 a year, then I'd rather wonder whether we could consider revising that figure upwards. Mr Harborough. Yes, you need to bear in mind that 580 homes delivered a year is over a range of size of sites, including smaller sites. Um, and also viability issues will apply to some large sites, which has meant that we are unable to always achieve 40% on larger sites as well. So um, you won't necessarily get 40% of 580 a year delivered as affordable housing. 
Yeah, what um, 100 houses is, is just, that is a number. There's absolutely no limit to what we would want to, um, what we would want to see. So the more, I mean, we could change this, but our aim is always to get the maximum affordable out of any site that is um, given permission in this district. So happy to do that. Um, and I think that the refuge, we're still struggling with that, but Ros probably knows more than I do about that. Um, yeah, we, we have been chasing them. Um, safer places are ready to put an application in, so it should be going. I, I know we've been saying this a while, but uh, um, they had to wait because they, they weren't the preferred. Well, they, they had to go through the tender process again with Essex County Council to see if they would be the preferred supplier to supply that service in the district, and they are. So now they've finished that tender process, they will be putting the application in. Thank you. Any other questions? Uh, I, I guess the uh, 15 new council homes built per year point has already been picked up um, and uh, refers back to your plan, but it, it sort of picks up the point that we raised earlier in terms of whether you can do that throughout the, the full term of, your, of, the, um, of the strategy and what happens if we, if we can't afford to do that. Okay, if there aren't any, then I shall struggle to get back to the front page to get the recommendation. That Cabinet agrees the adoption of the Housing Strategy 2016-21 to is recommended by the Housing Board. Those in favour? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Uh, that moves us on to item 13, the Homelessness Strategy. Thank you, Chairman. Um, the Council is legally required to have a homelessness strategy and a new updated document has been prepared and consulted on. The new homeless strategy will run from 2016 to 2021 and demonstrates the Council's commitment to tackling homelessness. It details the Council's homelessness services and achievements since 2012. It also contains a review of homelessness within Oxford and details of homelessness statistics for the past four years. These clearly show the impact of the recession has had on increasing the homelessness in, during this period. An action plan has been written that outlines how the Council will meet the four strategic priorities that have been set for the Council's homeless service during the lifetime of the new strategy. These priorities are to prevent homelessness by providing a high quality housing service to clients in all housing tenures by sustaining tenancies and mitigating the negative effect of welfare reform. To provide good quality suitable temporary accommodation and work towards ending the use of bed and breakfast even in emergencies. Engage with the private rented sector to improve access to accommodation for people who are homeless or threatened with homelessness and to improve the health and well-being of homeless people. Due to the number of policy changes, here we go again, currently being proposed by the government, the homeless strategy and action plan will be kept under review and updated if necessary in order to reflect changes in policy, practice or economic conditions. Following a period of consultation, the strategy has been reviewed and agreed by the Housing Board, who recommends its adoption by Cabinet. So I 
request that Cabinet agrees the adoption of the Homelessness Strategy 2016-21 as recommended by the Housing Board. Happy to take any questions. Thank you. Councillor Barker. Could I ask what the main changes have been since we last adopted this strategy? It's mainly updates to it, it gives um, a background of what we've, we've achieved since we've um, formed the housing options team, the, and, and it's updates to, to what's happened in legislation and with allocations. So it's, it's, it's just a refreshing. There's a lot, a lot before we had a document very similar to this before, and then the last time we did it, it was part of the housing strategy, so it was a very smaller document. But now it's it's a, it's a more full document so it is a full rewrite thank you just uh, just give me some numbers because um, on page 19 of this report page 185 of the whole report we talk about the estimated numbers for rough sleeping in Uttlesford was 2 November 2014 do we have a current figure one that's, one rough sleeper that's right so does that does that mean one homeless person no, that, that's just rough sleepers. Because, you know, we, what we try to do is prevent rough sleeping. So, you know, it's it's prevent. We, we have a housing options team now that work to prevent rough sleepers. Yeah. And, and our homeless accommodation is full all the time. It's, I don't think that's why we want to try and avoid using bed and breakfast. But um, we are still struggling to um, house those that are presenting. So if we look at um, chart uh, on page uh, 24 of the report, 190, um, the, 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 the uh, actual homelessness has gone from 44 to 60, is that right? And is that continuing to go up? It's stabilising at the moment. I think you, you would always see this with a recession, and when you come out of a recession, um, it's, it's when you get your worst homelessness figures. Um, but it has... We are starting to see signs of um, those figures stabilising. Okay. And just going back to Councillor Redfern's point, because we did um, um, invest in further housing, didn't we, for this? So how many short-term houses do we currently have? 18. And, 18. and we still do have to use bed and breakfast, and we use um, a range of accommodations that become available... Yeah. So what is the optimum number of short-term houses? Because I, I, by the very nature of it, um, you won't want to be leaving them empty all the time. So there must be, presumably the answer is not 64. No, it, it is. But I mean, what, what we tend to do is if we, um, if we have a lot of people that are in bed and breakfast, then we'll pull some of the housing that we have that are in our free sheets so we won't advertise a property as available when it becomes void. We'll mm. put people in there as temporary. Yeah. So that's, that's the advantage of having your own stock, that you can pull properties. The, the optimum number in terms of how many houses you'd like for homelessness? Um, I, th I think we've got it about right. That we, we, we are still having to use bed and breakfast. But probably another... 20, you know, if we went up to 20, it might be a bit better. But mm. we've, we've always got we've got 18 units that we have fully furnished that we use as temporary accommodation, and at any one time we use usually using four or five properties that we're pulling from the stock. 
Okay. Which includes the one we had set aside for um, yep, refugees. Understand. At the so, uh, what are the possibilities of getting the extra? Well, the homelessness um, properties really should come out of the general fund, not out of the housing revenue. We, so, um, we've we've got the four new ones at Stansted. Mm. Um, but is it some is it something? It's a, it's a difficult one for us because obviously we want to invest in permanent accommodation for people. Um, but does the general fund want to invest in some more homelessness accommodation? But that's something for everybody to think about, I think. So is that you, Mr Webb, in terms of making that final decision, balancing between one budget and the other? I only advise the portfolio holder. Members make the decisions. Uh, I'm sorry, of course. Yes. With that caveat, yes. Your advice is the advice that we should be seeking another two. What I could say, what we could say, is that we have a housing shortage in this district, and perhaps what we need to do is be looking at how we can deliver more housing generally, not just not just housing for homelessness, because. Um, that is what causes the homelessness problem because we're not we're not delivering enough housing across all across all ten years. But that's just my opinion. Okay. Well, perhaps uh, the relevant portfolio holder could look at the potential investment um, if we felt that was appropriate, and um, could manage manage the finances accordingly. Councillor Light, do you wish to raise a point? Yes, thank you. I was wondering uh, how much it actually costs uh, per annum to keep people in bed and breakfast. Well, we would. I don't believe we have anybody that we would keep in any, keep in um, bed and breakfast uh, long term. But on a, a night by night basis, it's about 50, Yeah, it's about fifty pounds per night per person. Okay. So, over, have you? We've got a figure that shows over a year how much was actually spent on B and B. Yeah, it will, it will be in our budget. Can we send that to you afterwards? Yeah. I don't, sure. Okay, well thank you. That was a helpful discussion and uh, food for perhaps a little bit more thought in terms of the addition to the full we've already uh, increased. Um, the, reminding you the recommendation that Cabinet agrees the adoption of the Homelessness Strategies 16 to 21 as recommended by the Housing Board. Those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. That uh, moves us on to item 14, which is the allocation policy amendments. We uh, looked at the allocation policy uh, last year, um, so there are some amendments. Thank you. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. There are some, um, as you say, we did look at this last year, but there has been some challenges, so that's why we're um, looking at this again. And um, this report outlines the proposed amendments required to the Council's allocation policy following the recent case law relating to homelessness applicants. The allocations policy sets out who is eligible to apply for social rented housing in the district, how people apply for such housing and how applications are assessed and awarded priority. Following recent case law, it is necessary to make some amendments to the allocations policy around the eligibility of accepted homeless applicants and other categories of applicants who fall within reasonable preference categories as defined by the Housing Act 1996. 
allocation schemes cannot in any way exclude from qualifying those in the statutory reasonable preference groups. The proposed amendments allow for applicants to whom the Council has accepted full homelessness duty, namely to provide long-term accommodation to join the housing register regardless of whether they meet the Council's local residency criteria. This means under the allocations policy that all accepted homeless cases will now be offered accommodation in accordance with the same criteria. The amended policy also allows for exceptional circumstances to be considered for any other applicants wishing to join the housing register who fall within one of the reasonable preference categories but do not meet the council's local residency criteria. One other minor policy change is that applicants who have been given a band B for, for serious medical or welfare issues who have not expressed interest in, in all suitable advertised properties during 12 cycles of the free sheet will have their band B award reviewed. So the recommendation is that Cabinet agrees amendments to the Council's allocations policy as recommended, as always, by the Housing Board. So happy to take any questions on this. Thank you. Any questions on this? This is in response to um, I think the circumstance. I think the amendments are all clearly highlighted, Chairman, and uh, happy to propose the recommendation. Okay. Thank you. No comments. Right. The recommendation is that Cabinet agrees amendments to the Council's allocation policy as recommended by the Housing Board. I think the last four words are pretty key to this. Uh, those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. Item 15, Essex County Council reduction in funding for housing-related support. Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. I'm going to do my best on this one. This is, this, I find this one a little bit more complicated to explain, but I'll um, carry on and Ros can jump in at any moment where I'm wrong. Um, this report informs members of the cuts being made to the housing-related support funding, previously known as the Supporting People Funding. This is provided by Essex County Council from, and from April 2016 and how the Council proposes to deliver services to sheltered housing tenants and tenants with community alarms in light of the funding shortfall. The cuts have been confirmed as £2 per sheltered housing and the discontinuing of the funding that currently allows council tenants to have the community-based alarm lifeline without any cost to them. The council already subsidises through the HRA some of the costs of providing support within sheltered housing following previous cuts to the housing-related support funding from Essex County Council. This is now not a sustainable approach to funding these services, particularly as Essex have indicated that all funding may cease from April 2017. The rationale that Essex makes for these cuts is that people who require this type of support can claim appropriate benefits to pay for it themselves and that it is not reasonable that individuals should contribute to the cost it is not it, that it is reasonable that individuals should contribute to the cost of their own support. For example, housing association tenants, private tenants and private owners do not receive housing related support. Officers have reviewed how the sheltered housing service is delivered and whether some costs of the services provided can be funded by other sources, such as housing benefit. While support charges cannot simply be transferred from 
transferred to housing benefit, it is legitimate to review the services being provided and consider what elements could be eligible for housing benefit. The review has shown that while sheltered housing officers spend a large part of their time supporting tenants or providing the lifeline service, they also spend a considerable proportion of their time on intensive housing management. Intensive, man management, intensive housing management functions are, are able to be covered by housing benefit, whereas support charges are not. It is therefore pro proposed that specific service charge for IMH, IHM to be introduced from April 2016 and that all tenants within the sheltered housing will need to pay for this charge either for themselves or via housing benefit. The amount that tenants will then be charged for the support services will be reduced proportionately so that the overall effect will not in fact be to increase charges to tenants over and above the need to recover the reduction of the funding from Essex County Council. In addition, it is proposed to make changes to the levels of service provided. Currently, sheltered housing tenants have the choice of receiving bronze, silver or gold sheltered housing service. However, it is felt it is important that sheltered housing is for people who do require the level of support that, and that the minimum a client should require is a weekly visit. A recent incident has shown that a tenant can be subject to a dramatic event at any time and that it is therefore hard to justify why we, why we would have tenants living in sheltered housing who are not seen from one week to the next, even where this is at the tenant's request. It is, it is proposed that the current three levels of sheltered service are reduced to two. Sheltered with a weekly visit and sheltered plus with a daily visit. Tenants who currently receive gold or silver service will automatically be transferred to sheltered or sheltered plus. By changing the levels of service and introducing the IHM service charge, the Council will be able to continue to provide a first-class sheltered service for tenants in spite of the loss of income from Essex County Council. It is also proposed that tenants who wish to continue to have a lifeline unit from 20, April 2016 will have to pay for this service in full. The argument from Essex County Council is that people who need a lifeline should be in receipt or be able to claim such benefits that are designed to be used to pay for this type of support service. Again, private tenants and tenants of housing associations as well as owner-occupiers pay for this service in full for themselves regardless of their financial circumstances. It is therefore thought that this should be the same for council tenants going forward and with the 1% reduction in rent as opposed to as opposed to what would have been a 4% increase under normal circumstances, the cost of charging tenants for their lifeline will be mitigated. The report provides a chart to show the current charges to tenants and the proposed new, changes, the new charges. This shows that the introduction of the intensive housing management charge will mitigate any large increase in cost to tenants who find that they have now to pay for this service, with the highest amount being paid just 46 pence per week. The report has been considered by the Tenant Forum and the Housing Board, who both endorse the recommendations and have added two further recommendations as follows, that a review is carried out after six months to assess the impact of the changes that those currently receiving bronze service are informed in writing that the service will be phased out from April 2017. 
I therefore ask that the recommendations are, one, the Cabinet notes the loss of the HRS funding from Essex County Council and recommends the proposed changes to Sheltered Housing Scheme Management Service in light of funding reductions from Essex County Council as follows. One, withdrawal of gold, silver and bronze levels. Two, introduction of two levels of service, Sheltered, which is a weekly visit, and Sheltered Plus, which is a daily visit. Three, the continuation of bronze service for current bronze service tenants just in the interim. That charges for the Council's Sheltered Housing Scheme Management Service, funded from the HRS charges and intensive housing management charges, to be set at Sheltered, £15.80 per week, and Sheltered Plus at £17.80 per week. Bronze service users, which are to be continued in the short term, at £13.80 per week. Residents are written to informing them that changes of the funding arrangements, residents receiving bronze service are written to informing them that it will be phased out by April 2017. The changes to the housing related support service are reviewed six months after implementation of the charges. That the cost of community alarms be fully covered from users. And finally, that the further reductions in the HRS by Essex County Council in 2017-18 be noted. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, I'd like to understand how the Essex County Council funding fits into this, and I'd like to understand the impact of these costs on the HRA. They tell me the impacts for tenants, but they don't tell me the impacts for the HRA, because I believe that these are all discretionary services, and I believe we should be supporting our tenants in this way. But this report doesn't tell me how much Essex have reduced their input by and where Essex's money or our money comes into this equation. Sorry, can you repeat what do you mean by where, the, where it comes into the equation? Well, at the, at the moment you're telling me that you're going to charge a, a, a resident, say, £15.80 a week. Is the service costing us £30 a week and Essex is now contributing five and we're contributing five? Or is the service costing us £50 a week and Essex is contributing 15 and we're contributing 10? That, that's the bit that this report doesn't tell me. It doesn't tell me the cost of the service. It tells me the, the charge to the tenant. Right. Um, the service has been fully reviewed and the costs that we've, we've come up with there, the 13.80 a week, 15.80 a week and 17.80 a week, that is what it costs us to provide the service. So that, that has been fully reviewed. Um, to begin with, when this exercise was done at the beginning of supporting people, and a similar exercise was done, and at that time supporting people would cover those charges completely. So the 1380, if it, whatever it was in those going back 10 years, it would be fully covered by supporting people. And what they have been doing over the last three, four years, they've been cutting it by 10%. So it, it does kind of, it, it, if you look at the graph, it does say what we are getting as a support charge from Essex. If you look at the, if you look at the actual costs at the moment, um, the support charge, let's have a look, where they're on housing benefit, the bronze service at the moment, it's, it's £11.77, but the housing related support, we're only getting £9.50 from supporting people from county. So we're not getting, a, we're not getting the amount it's costing us to provide that service as it is. 
So the shortfall would be falling on the HRA because we have to fully fund that service and we're only getting um, a proportion back from support from supporting people. So going forward, it will be fully covered by the tenant, not, it won't affect the HRA at all? Uh, my understanding of this is that um, on the bronze service it's going up by £2 and the other two services are going up by a pound, is that right? That's right. That that's gone through the housing board and the that's tenants, tenants forum, forum and they've approved that. Do they have reservations? The, the, the ten, there were no tenant forum reservations. I mean, they felt that... Um, it's a good service and it should be fully, it, it should be recovered. The costs of that service should be recovered by the people receiving that service and not by all the other tenants. Um, there, there was a lot of debate at the housing board, but it did go through. Um, mainly concerns that uh, people are, are given a lot of help as to if they need to start claiming benefits to pay for some of these services that we should be going in now and advising what benefits they can be claiming. Is it you, you either can claim it or you can't claim it? There's no sliding scale in between. So you're either going to pay £13.80 yourself or get it paid for? Um, that's right, but the people that at the moment who aren't paying, there'll be people that, the people that aren't paying are people who are on housing benefit. So what we've done to mitigate losing the supporting people is to put some of that money onto housing benefit that we legitimately can. So in fact they're only, that's what we were saying in the report, that uh, the most that um, a tenant will have to, a tenant who's not paying anything at the moment mm -hmm. will only have to pay 46p a week. Yeah, okay. But some people will be paying £2 a week more. People that are fully paying, um, it's yeah, on the bronze one. On the bronze. Ironically, the bronze one goes up more than the other two. Yeah, I mean, again, this was it was fully reviewed. We looked at all the costs it was it took us to provide that service, and that, mm. I think that's why we've we. It's one of the reasons why we're saying it. It you still have to pay the costs even if you're not having the full service. So it would be better that people that went into shelter schemes got the full service. Anyway, but the important point is that it has been reviewed by the Tenants Forum and the Housing Board and both have approved. Any other card? Councillor Dean. Well, I can endorse that, that uh, after a few tortuous discussions, uh, the proposal as it's here was um, supported across the, uh, across the board. Um, the, I mean, the, one of the key things is because this seems to be dealing with lots of weird legacy arrangements that need to be sorted out. That it would, it would perhaps cause con, um, uncertainty within a number of tenants, and I think that was where it was. In, we felt it was important to have good communication with them, and in particular, uh, and that was a point I think I made that uh, to put in a six-month review to see whether it was working, whether the anomalies and the dissatisfaction had been ironed out and so on. So I think what we've got here is something that is fair and uh, should go ahead. Okay. Any other comments? 
Councillor Light. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm actually very uncomfortable with this. I know it's a, a good service, and I know that the sheltered accommodation, uh, certain the ones I've visited, are, are very good. Um, I suppose my unease is uh, that, uh, firstly, is there a guarantee that people who would need it um, actually would be able to get the housing benefit for it because as things change, uh, things get more expensive, life gets more expensive, um, incomes, pensions don't go up particularly. And um, as, as, as I say, the, the unease is where people are perhaps on the cusp of just having enough to live on but not enough. Uh, and is this £18 charge? Is this weekly? Yeah, that, that could be quite a lot of money out of someone's budget. I think um, we, we have got the flexibility. If we think there's someone that's going to fall, fall foul of this, it is something we have discussed and we will, will you know, if someone needs us to step in, then there is an, we are flexible enough to be able to do that. But we've also got to bear in mind that these tenants are all getting um, a rent reduction as well. So it's, um, you know, they're get, getting with one hand, okay, you may feel we're taking it away with another, but it is only the council tenants that actually get this service free. So I think it does make it f fair to everybody that needs this service. It, there's no reason why our tenants should be treated any differently to a housing association tenants. And as I say, they are getting... We, we are... Well, the officers here are very good at picking up on people who could potentially fall through the system, and we wouldn't want that to happen, so you can rest assured that we will be aware of that. But I don't think it's going to be... We, well, we hope it won't have a huge impact on, on any of our tenants because they are getting the reduction in one hand, and we're taking it away with the other. Uh, and, it, and they're already paying £16.63 if yeah. they're on um, Shelter Plus, so yeah. we're talking about a pound here, which yeah. is obviously a lot less than their rent reduction. Councillor Barker. Um, I think, Chairman, I, I have got my head around this now. Um, I think, Chairman, the best thing about this probably is that the costs of this service are falling on the people who use it, whereas before, with Uttlesford contributing, albeit a small amount each week, um, then the costs were falling on everybody who's in a council house. And, you know, why should it be a family with two children struggling to make ends meet at the end of the week that's supporting another group specifically? I mean, if we want to reallocate money across different groups, then, you know, that's for, that's for the council. But that's what we have been doing. But I think this, with the um, intensive housing work and whatever, I think uh, there's been very satisfactory outcome for the tenants. Um, but, of course, the item will come back to us if Essex makes further revisions next year. Okay, if there are no other questions, those in favour of uh, this initiative, uh, please show. Carried unanimously. Item 16, any other items? There, there aren't any other items, but whilst uh, Mrs. Millership is here, um, I've referred to your excellent work with the Minister, but we do also have the option of working with the civil servants. And because this whole question of right to buy, um, and, well, not the principle, as we've discussed many a time, but the implication, how it's going to be financed, um, I, how are we staying in touch with those officials so that we feel that we are maximising our impact on their decision-making? Um, we've we've um, written to them just before Christmas and um, we've given them details of what, 
how we think the scheme could work. I think what they, what they asked us to do was come up with some figures and um, Councillor Redfern has, has um, written to them before. They've written to me since to say that they've received a letter and they want some more figure work from me, which I've provided just before Christmas. And I think we just have to wait and see. Um. Okay. Could I ask, and I'm very happy to be involved, but I'm sure Councillor Redfern's got it under control, and I'm sure uh, uh, Sir Allen would be involved if necessary, that we encourage another meeting, with the, not with the Minister this time, but with the officials, because obviously exchange of emails is great and well done for doing that, but to actually uh, have that face-to-face -face meeting, I think we can perhaps get our point across even more effectively. Yeah, we'll, I will do. Yeah, great, thanks. And I think um, perhaps um, what we should do is send a copy of the letter. I know you've had a copy of the letter, but maybe we should send a copy of that, the letter that we sent to all councillors, because yep. we did with the original letter, yep. but I don't think the second letter no, would be really helpful. Sent out, so yep, we'll absolutely. do that tomorrow as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just so that we've left no stone unturned in terms of um, our, our ambition to, uh, uh, to make this as supportive to councils like Uttlesford as possible. There's no other business. Meeting closed 8.55. Thank you for your time.